times do you find yourself at a loss for words and, and it's okay? Uh, I think that if we, um, if we spent any time in the presence of Jesus, I don't think we would really treat him like a genie. I think that we would, um, I think we would shut up. Because if you read the Scripture, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today, is, is how, we, um, how we can spend time in God's presence. But, but rarely, did people, um, rarely did people give Jesus their opinion, or at least they didn't give it very long, because when they started talking to Him, you know, all the time when they would question Jesus about different things, He would give them an answer or He would ask them a question. And then towards the, you know, after a while, it says they quit asking Him questions because they couldn't trap Him. The wisdom was too profound. And uh, what we need to do and what we attempt to do every Sunday, I, I love that song. I listen to it all the time. I love that song because so often I don't need my opinion. Actually, never do I need my opinion. I need God's opinion, and then I need an attitude adjustment so I pursue God's opinion. Anybody fall into that category? You, you can relate to that? Well, what we're doing in this whole Jesus series is we're trying to figure out what, a, what an accurate picture of Jesus would be. Um, somebody tell me, do you know those bracelets that were so popular and t-shirts and all that stuff? WWJD, what did that stand for? What would Jesus do? Oh, y'all are good. What would Jesus do? And so people were supposed to, you know, look at the bracelet and say, oh, what would Jesus do? Well, what we're trying to do in this series is we're trying to figure out WWJL. What was Jesus like? Because the Bible says that the longer I'm a believer, the longer I'm a follower in Christ, the more I'm supposed to resemble Him. How can I become like someone I don't know? And so we're going to try to get an accurate picture of who Jesus is. And last week, you know, we talked about some things, some portraits of who Jesus is. And, and the reason people have inaccurate pictures of who Jesus is is because people who claim to be Christians don't act like Christ, right? I mean, when I, when I get really irritated with myself is when I realize that, that I've hurt the name of Christ. My actions were not Christ-like. And so I've got, to, I've got to come back to God and give Him the opportunity to cleanse me. And then if I've, made, uh, if I've upset somebody, I've got to go to them and I've got to make things right. Um, when we do that, the problems of life begin to shape us and mold us to be more like Jesus. So our whole goal is to figure out an accurate picture of Jesus. And uh, we found some videos where they took an old film about Jesus. And it's old and you'll, you'll just recognize that it's old. And um, they, the, the folks who did this, Vintage 21, they put in some thoughts about what Jesus might, how people perceive Jesus today. And uh, in this one, you're going to hear Jesus talk a lot about rules. Uh, enjoy this. Hello. Welcome to the first Christian church meeting. Here are the rules. Rule number one, spend all of your free time in church. Rule number two, you're not allowed to have any fun unless you're laughing at how dumb the devil is. Rule number three, wear t-shirts with my face on it. Rule number four, always smile and act happy. And finally, wear a stylish beard like mine. Well, I knew it! Jesus! Ah! No one told me about this meeting! And nice try, sissy! You said I could be a Christian if I gave up all my fun and grew this beard. Look at my beard! Well, I heard that you missed the prayer meeting for a silly game. But I had tickets to the Super Bowl, Jesus! That was incredible! The Israelites drove down and kicked the field goal and the rest of good! 
Be quiet. can't believe my dad showed up. How embarrassing. Oh crap, my fake beard fell off. They're totally gonna kick me out. Er, uh, wait. Is, what's he saying? We're all going to play football or something? Yeah, football. Yeah. Alright, stop. Stop crying. Rise. You can be a Christian if you promise to burn all of your footballs and never miss church again. Promise? Yeah, oh boy. Burn all your footballs and never have any fun again and, and never miss church again. Now, is that kind of what a lot of people think Jesus is like, just a bunch of rules? Because Christians have acted like that. This is not an accurate picture of Jesus at all. Jesus was a fun guy. Um, he was fun to be around. Why do you think so many people wanted to be with him? Why did he attract large crowds? Was it because he was a stick in the mud? No, Jesus was a lot of fun. Um, and... and what he did was he taught serious concepts in a unique and, and uh, uh, interesting way. In fact, the, the Bible says in Mark chapter 12, verse 37, the large crowd enjoyed listening to Jesus teach. Why do you think they enjoyed listening to it? It was because he kept them involved. He had a sense of humor, and we're going to talk about Jesus' sense of humor today. It wasn't a list of rules that people came to hear. They came to hear God-centered truths presented in a way that they could apply to their lives, that it made a difference. And so people liked to be around him. They kept coming because of the, the quickness of his wit, and I think the twinkle in his eye and his sense of humor. Now, most people don't realize that, that Jesus was funny. Um, but long before Mary Poppins was singing just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in the most delightful way, Jesus was teaching concepts that people could get their minds around and he was using illustrations that they could understand and he used a lot of humor. He, he told stories, he used puns, he used exaggeration, he used irony. And one of the things we don't understand today is that a lot of the Hebrew humor gets lost in translation. Um, it's very difficult to translate some of the things that he said that, that we understand um, how funny it is. We, we get deadly serious about a lot of Jesus' words, but we miss the humor in them. One day, Jesus was, um, was talking to his followers about the importance of spreading the good news. When we say the Gospels, the Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Gospels actually means good news. And so Jesus is talking to them about spreading the good news, and he kind of talks to them in a unique way. And he says, no one, this is your verse here, Mark 4:21. no one, uh, does anyone bring a lamp home and put it under a wash tub or beneath a bed? Don't you put it on a table or in a under a mantle or on a mantle? Okay, check this out. Now, you got to understand, Jesus was talking to a bunch of people that, that understood lamps. They didn't have electricity and the lights just went out. This is a good thing. This is what we use this for at home. Now, how stupid would it be to stick this under my bed? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go and I'm going to turn. I'm not even going to turn it sideways now, but you have to turn it sideways to get under my bed. And there's a lot of winter clothing and and dust balls and dust bunnies and stuff under my bed. How dumb would it be to stick this under my bed? Y'all would laugh. Now, it's also dumb to... We have those old-timey lanterns that we light whenever, you know, lights go out, stuff like that. It's also dumb to stick those under the smoke alarm. 
I did that one night. It wasn't Janie, it was me. I did it, and I had the flame up way too too big, and uh, once that little modem kicks in and it calls the alarm company, even if you know the code, even if they call you, the, the fire trucks come. And so two fire trucks are coming down my road, 11 o'clock at night, my quiet little road, you know, lots of retired people in my road. Woo! Got the sirens going. They come out and they got the full gear on. Janie is the wise one in our family. Nobody disputes that. She has the kids gathered up on the couch and she says, now don't be frightened because they're probably coming in here, you know, all decked out. And, and so sure enough, they do. He hops off the truck and he's like, you know, he's Darth Vader. We got to come in and check your house. And I'm like, okay. And I tell him what happened. And so I have to actually show him that I'm the moron who stuck the lamp right underneath. And it's one of those oil lamps, so it's black smoke billowing. See, when Janie does it, she turns it down and just barely enough light. Not me, man. And it's going up right there underneath the smoke detector. So what kind of idiot, Jesus is saying, lights a lamp and sticks it under a smoke detector? Or what kind of idiot lights that lamp, sticks it under the bed? People were like, oh, no kind of... God, Jesus, you're too much. And he says, how foolish then to take the message about me, the best message of anything in the world, and to hide it. You see, Jesus used humor and then he, ah, then he gets them. One of the reasons we like to have fun here is we want you to come back. <laughs> I've talked to so many people in this town. They go, ah, yeah, I did church. I hate church. If I want to go to a funeral, I'll go to a funeral. Music, like a funeral. I'm like, well, come to our church. We'll try to clap. We may clap on the wrong beat, but we'll have fun. And, uh, and we have a new coffee maker back there. And we'll, we'll give you coffee. Because that's all that matters on a Sunday morning. Jesus didn't fit the pattern of what people thought a holy man was supposed to be like. Luke reported, if you have your Bibles, you might want to follow along in, in Luke chapter 15. Um, <laughs> Luke, here, here's what he says, Luke 15 verse 1. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. People of doubtful reputation. We got any of those here today? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. there's a lot of elbows going on. That's you. He's talking about you. No. Well, I'm one of those. Go back to my hometown and ask them about me. I'm one of doubtful reputation. Thank God Jesus got me because um, I'd be in trouble. But, but people of doubtful reputation, do they like going to churches today? Why? We're judgmental. We're hypocritical. Of course, we just tell you up front, we're hypocritical. You know, we're going to let you down. If you're looking at us, um, you're going to be disappointed. When the religious people saw the crowd that Jesus was with, they were indignant. And here's what they said, Luke chapter 15, verse 2. The Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not pleased at all about the crowd that Jesus had. They growled, he takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. The worst of the worst were drawn to Jesus. The holy religious people couldn't stand him, and they nailed him to a cross. People who, who um, were, were in sin and knew they were full of sin were drawn to Jesus. And so, um, think about the religious leaders. What he got so Jesus reserved his harshest statements for those who should have known better, those who had the Bible memorized. 
They didn't do what they had memorized. And Jesus spoke harshly. He called them snakes and vipers and hypocrites and whitewashed tombs. On the outside you look good, but on the inside you're full of dead men's bones. That's what Jesus said to religious people. But to people who were far from God, He'd say, okay, I know you've, I know you've messed up. Don't, don't mess up anymore. I know you've got an emptiness inside. I can feel that emptiness. And He taught in a way that drew people to them. And see, the religious leaders, they wanted you to know they had no fun. Don't do this, don't do this. The Pharisees created 1,500 extra rules to go along with the rules in the Old Testament. They were building this fence to protect you from anywhere getting close to messing up God's holy rules. So they add 1,500 more rules. Does that sound fun? No. I think Jesus walked around with a twinkle in His eye. He laughed, He told jokes, He went to weddings, which, by the way, is senior prom a big deal around here? Weddings in Jesus' time put senior prom to shame. The whole town showed up for weddings. The first miracle that Jesus performed was at a wedding. He turned water into wine because they ran out because this was a days and days long feast and it was a big deal to run out of wine if you were the host. And Jesus, Jesus just went places. I think He was fun. He loved children. Um, I believe He loved to laugh. When I read the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels, the good news about Jesus, the good news that I see is not only did Jesus come to save us from our sins, the good news is Jesus enjoyed life and He wants His followers to enjoy life as well. The serious people in the New Testament were the religious leaders, not Jesus and His followers. Jesus was accused of all kinds of things, but being too serious was not one of the accusations leveled at Him. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, those people refused to accept the good news and the lifestyle that Jesus had. They refused to join the fun. Now, the the, the humor of Jesus, and we're going to have to do a whole series on the humor of Jesus because there's just way too much, just way too much material. But one of the ways he, he used humor was puns. Now, the reason we don't understand it, it gets lost in translation. Have you ever told a pun to someone that you had to explain it to? It's not near as funny if you have to explain it, right? I mean, think about um, Hannah's best friend. Is, has a, has, they've just adopted a girl from Russia, and she's learning English. She's, she's uh, how old is she? Eight years old, seven years old? She, she doesn't know English. She's having to learn it. Can you imagine having to explain to her some of the crazy things about English? Trying to, oh, this is really funny. She's going, duh. You know, she, she speaks a little bit, but... It gets lost in translation. Sometimes, I'll, well, actually, a lot of the times, we, we use plays on words in our family, and, and my kids are starting to get it, but the, the younger they are, the less they get it. Well, let's just, let's just take some and see if you get these jokes. You're going to get to read them, not just hear them, so we're going to see if you catch some of these puns. Here's the first one. Uh, like the man who gave up fishing because the dock was too crowded, he couldn't stand all the peer pressure. Uh-huh, everybody groan, groan. They get better, I promise. Uh, or the guy who was a hairdresser in Texas. He what? Died with his boots on. Everybody groan. Oh. Y'all don't like puns? Come on. Like funny ones. All right, let's try the next one. I wondered why the baseball was getting bigger. Then it hit me. That's not bad. That's not bad. Some of you don't get it. That's why it's not funny. Um, did you hear about the guy whose whole left side was cut off? He's all right now. Get it? He's all right. Okay. I like this one. This one's pretty cute. Police were called to a daycare where a three-year-old was resisting arrest. That's good. That's good. 
And then this one, I thought, this actually, I got these off puns for a day or something or other. This next one I thought was good too. There was a sign on the lawn at the drug rehab centers that said, <laughs> all right, all right, we're getting it. Keep off the grass. That's wise if you're at a drug rehab center. Stay off the grass. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad y'all got that one. Otherwise, this whole section was just going to fall flat. Jesus was punny. You can quote me on that. Now, let me show you one of his puns. Matthew 23, 24. You guide the people. He's talking to the religious leaders. You guide the people, but you are blind. Now, that, just that thought, the blind leading the blind. That's like a Monty Python movie. Running around bumping into trash, you know, and having a good time. <laughs> it's like having a blind seeing eye dog, okay? That doesn't make sense. You guide the people, but you are blind. You're like a person who picks a fly out of a drink and then swallows a camel. Okay, so here's what they would do. They would be at their meals and they had meals outside and tents and things like that. And, they, you know, there's flies and there's all kinds of stuff around. They would have a covering over their cup or over their soup because they were so worried about a fly. How funny then to take that off and start munching on a camel. Okay, we don't get it. Okay. <laughs> well, here's, here it is. In, if, you, if you go back to the original language, here's the pun that he was, he was uh, showing. In the original language, the humor is better because the word for gnat, here it is. Have you got that? Oh, <laughs> it's under the Bible. There. Galma, all right? But the, the, the word for camel is, see it? Two letters. You just switch them like peer and peer, peer pressure and peer pressure. And people are like, oh, he's killing me, Jesus. That's good. They straight up like a camel. <laughs> Jesus talked about logs in guys' eyes. I'm trying, man. I'm working it. <laughs> Y'all got to help me out or we're going to be here a long time. Because if you don't laugh, it's just totally wasted all this time. Okay, Jesus talked about logs in guys' eyes. How funny is that? Big old honking logs sticking out and you're coming over here. Let me get the speck out of your eye. I mean, they're going, Jesus, that's too much. So he used all of this humor and then he made an interesting point. I think part of the reason Jesus enjoyed children, if a kid gets a joke, how many times do they tell it? <laughs> for me, you know, you've got to surprise me. I, I think I'm pretty quick-witted, and so for me to laugh, it's got to be funny. It's really hard for me to, to laugh when it's not funny. And, and after a thousand times, it's no longer funny. But kids laugh, and, and they like life. The other night, Rachel didn't want to go to bed. Or actually, she wanted to go to bed because she wanted to hurry up and get to the next day. I want tomorrow to come. I'm like, well, then go to sleep. It'll be here so fast you won't even know it. But she wanted, the, the next day was gonna, we were going to do fun stuff and she couldn't wait to go to sleep. If we could only get Hannah to figure that out. Hannah stays up all night because she doesn't want to give up this day. But Rachel can't wait till tomorrow. Jesus liked kids because kids were real. They laughed when things were funny. They cried when they got hurt. Kids can be incredibly sympathetic with other people when they hurt. And I think that's why Jesus was drawn to kids. But is that what the church is like? Do we mourn with those who mourn? No. Do we laugh with those who laugh? We rejoice with those who rejoice? No, we got it messed up. We tend to laugh at people who are mourning. We, we get that messed up. And so... Um, we've got to figure out how to do this life better so that we look more like Jesus so that more people want to come hang out 
and learn more about Jesus. Now, those of you who know me know that I'm not really into tradition. Well, I'm definitely not into tradition for tradition's sake. I think that's stupid. But if traditions have a meaning, if you can tie in... I mean, one of the things we do every Easter is we make resurrection cookies. Because when you make these cookies and you bake them, you do the whole story, and the next day you open them up, they're empty on the inside like the tomb. I think that's great. That's a good tradition. But tradition for tradition's sake, just I think that's stupid. One of the traditions I heard about the Russian Orthodox Church, I think, is a good tradition. On Easter Sunday morning, the priests hang out after church and tell each other jokes. You see the irony in that? Jesus was dead, but He's alive, and that's the greatest news in the world. So let's... Did you hear the one about... By the way, Drew told us a joke this week, and let me just share it with you. Um, This is a good place to share it. Because we were talking about this whole thing. And uh, I want to see how you react. I I shouldn't even have told you that. Um, So this horse walks into a bar. And the bartender says, so why the long face? (laughs) That is the punchline, okay? Um, Because we were sitting there going, and? (laughs) And he did get a better one, but I forgot the better one, so I'm making him look bad. What? The mathematician. Tell it. I can't remember. Too late. You took too long. Okay, moving right along. Now, let's figure out how we are going to do life better. Because most Christ followers don't live life, they endure it. Jesus was not an endurer. I believe Jesus enjoyed life, and that's what he was talking about when he said, I come to give you abundant life. You see, in in, uh, Matthew chapter 11, if you want to flip over there, Matthew chapter 11, um, Jesus is, is talking about... The followers, um, religious followers, and he says, you guys are ironic because he says, we played music for you, but you wouldn't dance. We sang funeral songs, but you wouldn't cry. Um, the whole context of this is, is he's talking about John. John is in prison, and he's about to die for his faith. And so some of John's followers come to Jesus, and they say, uh, are you really the Christ or should we look for someone else? Jesus says, well, tell, look around. The, the dead receive life. The, the blind receive sight. The lame are healed. And, and he didn't directly answer the question, but he says, have you ever seen things like this happen before? And he says, people of this age just don't get it. And, and then he says, you're like children who said, we played songs for you, but you didn't dance. We sang funeral songs, but you wouldn't cry. And Jesus is saying, people today are waiting to live. They're not living, they're waiting to live. Do you know anybody in 2007 who's waiting to live? They're just, they're just enduring life until the circumstances get better so maybe they can enjoy life and have a little bit of fun? Well, Jesus is saying, I want you to live your life now. I want you to enjoy life now. And most people are going, how do we do that? Well, okay, you've got to learn to dance. Jesus was the dance instructor. He says, you didn't even dance when we played music. So how are we going to take dance lessons from Jesus? Well, we're going to look at an acrostic dance. The first one is, don't take yourself too seriously. All right, some of you weren't here last week, and here is an example of not taking yourself too seriously. This is from Elf, Elf, E-L-F. I'm making sure everybody understands. Elfyourself.com.
Now, the only real problem I have with that is Wes, Wes's face and my face were put on women's bodies. But other than that, I thought it was great. Um, <laughs> Wes doesn't mind, and we'll just stop right there. Um, <laughs> Jesus didn't take himself too seriously, and he doesn't want you to either. What, what do kids do when they hear music? Children, what do they do? They dance. Are they technically proficient at the dance? No. Do they care? No. The, the beat just moves them. That devil music gets into them and they have a good time. They dance. In case you haven't noticed, life is hard. And uh, it seems like there are more bad things that happen to most of us than, than good things. Life isn't fair. And that's one of the things we've got to teach our kids. Life isn't fair. Good stuff happens to bad people. Bad stuff happens to good people. And if you're a Christ follower, Jesus said, you will have trouble in this world. But then he says, take heart because I've overcome the world. What that means is, no matter what happens to you in this lifetime, if you're a Christ follower, you win. Because in heaven, you're not going to have the problems that you have here. In heaven, you're going to be, oh, it's just indescribable what heaven is like. And Jesus says, if you'll follow me and you'll trust me and you won't take yourself too seriously, then, uh, then you're going to get through this life better. You're going to win. Because if you can't dance during the bad times, what good is your faith? Anybody can dance when their portfolio's up. Anybody can dance when they get a huge Christmas bonus. How many of you are going to get like a 50% raise January 1? I guarantee you'd dance if you did. You'd bust up right now. You'd have been on your chair. Me! I get money! But Jesus allows bad stuff. God allows bad stuff to happen to Christians and non-Christians alike. You want to know why? So the world can see the difference. If there is no difference in your faith, what good is your faith? If you can't dance during difficulty, then, then what good is your faith? My mom told me, I didn't, I didn't learn this until later. When, when I was growing up, we were, we were dirt poor. I didn't know it. Everybody else in the family knew it because they're much older than me. And uh, mom told me just a few years ago that my dad, when, when the finances would get really, really tight, I guess it would be like when birthdays were coming up or Christmas or something, things were really tight. My dad would make my mom, he'd come in and he'd say, go see Norma. Norma was redhead. If you've seen Carol Burnett, you get an idea of what Norma Stillwell looked like and what she was like in real life. Funniest woman I have ever met, had an infectious laugh. And so I said to mom, I said, why, why did dad make you go over there? And he, she said, because he knew that Norma would make me laugh. And I would come home and I would be nice <laughs> after having laughed. So in the midst of all these financial difficulties, she'd go laugh and life got better. Have you ever done that? Have you ever seen the humor in something and that allows you to make it through? One of the reasons I was attracted to my wife Janie was because she got my jokes. I, I honestly thought, how horrible to go through life with a stupid woman who doesn't get my jokes. Janie was cute. I love her blue eyes. But if she didn't get my jokes, I wouldn't be any... She got them. She's extra smart. She's extra smart. Well, yeah, I told you. She's the brain. She's wise. She's All of the good stuff, it's her. Um, and I'm hoping it'll rub off on me someday. Um, when people heard Jesus speak, they enjoyed listening to Him teach because He was relevant, He was interesting, and He knew how to dance in the middle of difficulties. The people who didn't want to dance... Again, they're the ones that nailed Jesus to the cross. The people who didn't take themselves too seriously, you know what they did? 
they bowed at Jesus' feet and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. When everybody else departed from Jesus, Jesus looked at His followers and He said, do you want to leave too? And Peter said, where would we go? You have the words of life. So He taught them to dance. (laughs) I keep going back, you know, this childlike faith, not childish faith. I think most of us are real good at childishness. When Jesus talked about we need to become like children, I think it's because he, he understood they didn't take themselves too seriously. There was, a, there was a boys club years ago I read about that it said um, the rules. They had three rules. Nobody act big. Nobody act small. Everybody act medium. So they were saying don't be too big for your, britch, your britches, but don't be one of those people that sucks the life out of all the parties. Just be right in the middle. And Jesus was drawn to kids because they don't take themselves too seriously. This week, um, Hannah decided, my seven-year-old decided that we needed to have a tea party. It had been far too long since we'd had a tea party. So she tries to stay up just as late as possible. She doesn't want us to go to bed. She wants to fall asleep before we go to bed. But I can't outlast the girl. So a lot of times we go on to bed and then she gets scared and has to come make a pallet in our room, all that. Well, Hannah decides that we need to have a tea party. And so one of the things she stays in her room doing is handcrafting these invitations to a tea party. And uh, so she comes out and she hands it to me and it says, you are invited to a tea party at 1230 tomorrow. And she hands it out. And one of the funny things is um, she didn't know if she should invite her brother. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, why weren't... And, of course, he's hearing all this. He's back in his room and he's like, do I get to come? And, um, and Hannah, I said, well, why wouldn't you invite Caleb? It's not like, you know, we homeschool and we're all in the same house, you know, and he's going to know that, that we didn't invite him. <laughs> and she said, because sometimes he makes fun of me. And I said, oh, Hannah, I said, okay. We'll make sure that he does it. So she invites Caleb, and we have this, this party. Now, I asked her if I could tell you this, because I try to make sure, you know, that, that I ask permission. And so I'm holding her. This was a couple of nights ago. I'm holding her. She's wrapped around me. You know, we're about to kiss her goodnight for the 9,000th time. And uh, I said, Hannah. She got her head on my shoulder. She's just adorable. She's so funny. She's so adorable. I said, Hannah, can I tell the church about your tea party? And she squeezes me hard, and she goes, you sure can, and it'll cost you a buck. <laughs> and I said, I said, okay, baby. And she goes, and every time you say my name, I get another buck. And she was just so pleased because she's, she's always, she's mad at Caleb because Caleb makes money mowing yards and stuff, and she's always broke. I don't have any money. So any way she can get money, she's going to get money. So as long as I pay her, I can tell you all about this, this tea party. Well, when we have the tea party, we go into her room, and uh, she, has, she has little place settings. You have your name everywhere. You know, she made her own little tent place, uh, name cards, and we have, they have these midget, I mean the smallest teacups I've ever seen. And then we have these spoons that are just big enough to fit inside the, the cups that we could sweeten our tea with. And uh, Caleb goes, how do you do this? Because <laughs> he's got the spoon down in there and you know you're trying to rotate the cup and by the anyway we had the best time we spent 30 minutes drinking drops of sweet tea and eating cookies that the cookies were could have been saucers for our teacups but that didn't matter and every once in a while hannah would get the english accent do you need anything else and i'm like no and who are you um the tea party was the highlight of my week now, I had lots of stuff to do, lots of stuff to do, and, and 
I can, I can get real uptight when there's lots of stuff to do. But I want to ask you, of this last week, all the things I got accomplished this last week, which one do you think made God smile? The tea party. And I think that's right where Jesus would have been because He didn't take Himself too seriously. When the kids came to Jesus, um, the disciples said, No, no, no. Keep the kids away. And Jesus said, No. Let the kids come. And I think it's because of this whole deal. Now, so the first step, if you're going to learn to dance from Jesus, is don't take yourself too seriously. Second thing is, adjust your attitude. There was a song years ago, Need a Little Attitude Adjustment on Top of the Head. And, and it was about somebody that had a bad attitude. You need to smack them. And sometimes we need a smack. Look at uh, Philip, uh, Philippians 2.5. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. One of the things that I've learned about Jesus, and I come back to this all the time, is people were more important than projects. And I have to say this to myself sometimes. People are more important than projects. And a lot of times I'll have to go back to my kids after they've broken something or you know, messed something up and... And I have to say, you are more important to me than whatever that was. Or you are more important to me than this deadline. Um, Jesus many times took His disciples away to pray, many times to get away and rest. But then it, he, it would say He'd see the people and He'd have compassion on them and He'd start teaching them again and He'd start meeting their needs. And uh, man, I have so far to go in, in that in that category. And I want to ask you, in this last week, the last seven days on your calendar, what, have, what message have you told your family with your life? Have you shown them that they are more important than your projects? Have you shown your family members that they are more important than your problems? If not, you need an attitude adjustment. You're taking yourself too seriously. Um, you know, Dr. Phil calls it stinking thinking when... Uh, when we have bad attitudes. So if, um, if you're involved in stinking thinking because your problems are so big and your, your uh, deadlines are so great and, and life is just so bad, I want you to stop and I want you to ask yourself, how big is my God? If you have this little midget God running around, then by all means, worry and have a bad attitude. But if your God is the one who, who spoke, this is how powerful He is. He spoke and the world was created. He spoke and there was light. At the end of time when Jesus comes again and all the armies, this is in Revelation, all the armies are there against Him. He comes riding on the, the, the white stallion. It says He opens His mouth and the armies are destroyed. That's a weapon we hadn't discovered yet. If that's your God, then maybe you're worrying for nothing. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm always asking Him to sell a few and give me the proceeds. But how big is your God? When I need an attitude adjustment and I look at how big my God is, I realize how small I am. Too often what we do is we have our problems in front of us and we're looking from the wrong perspective. We're standing at the base of the mountain looking up and it looks huge. Where God is, God is outside of time and space and creation and He's looking down and, and it looks real small to Him. So the attitude adjustment is I need to see like He sees. You know what God is waiting for many times? Because a lot of times we're like, oh, God's not going to show up. He's not going to do it. You know what He's waiting for many times? He's waiting for you to dance and then He'll deliver you. You dance first. You obey first. You do what you know is right first. Then God comes in and delivers you. Because when you do that, 
When you do that, when you dance in difficulties and people see that you're a follower of Christ and you react differently, you have shown faith in God. And Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Not difficult. Not kind of hard. Impossible to please God. When you demonstrate faith, then God is honored. He gets the glory. And it's almost as if He planned it that way. Because He did. He doesn't want you doing things in your power. He wants to do things in His power. The N in dance is nourish your soul. We take ourselves too seriously, right? Too many times? Hello? Yes. The opposite of that is we don't take God seriously enough. Right? You have 24 hours in the day. 60 minutes in each hour, 60 seconds in each minute. That means you have 86,400 seconds to invest each day. And so my question is, how many seconds do you give to God? And then based on that answer, I'll tell you what your attitude is for that day. If you give God zero time, He's going to have zero impact in your life that day. If you give God just a few minutes and say, God, let me see from your perspective. I'm reading um, the New Testament in the Message Translation just because I've not ever read the whole New Testament in the Message. Now, I've read through um, many different translations of the Bible from cover to cover. But the reason I get another translation and I start reading through it is because it, it gives me fresh eyes sometimes because the translations are different and we miss some things in different translations and they emphasize different things. And I'll be honest with you, some of the things in the message I go, that is not right. And I pull out my, my New American Standard and I read that and I go, God, Janie, listen to this. He, he said this here, but this is what it really is. But I'm reading through and as I do, I get this fresh perspective on God. And there's an old saying that if you miss your quiet time, your time with God, if you miss it one day, God, God notices. If you miss it two days, you notice in your own attitude. You miss it three days, everyone around you notices. Well, let's do the math. If the only time that you get into the presence of God is on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, by Friday and Saturday, you've got some pretty good stinking thinking going on. Right? So you need to let God nourish your soul. And when you do that, then, then you smell better. Stinking thinking, you stink to be around. I mean, I, I, I know. Janie and I have this little code thing. <laughs> how, how big a code is it? Are you in a bad mood? That's a code word. That's everybody else knows you're in a bad mood. It's kind of a nice way to say, do you realize what a jerk you're being? Yes? Who wants to know? And, and when she says that to me, I'm like, ah, I need an attitude adjustment. Maybe I need to nourish my soul so I'll be nice. <laughs> my, my family likes it when I'm nice. Okay, C, commit to a cause greater than yourself. In John 17, um, we have what is called, what is really the Lord's Prayer. Now, what we call the Lord's Prayer comes from Matthew chapter 6. It's really a model prayer when His disciples said, teach us to pray. And He said, pray like this. But in John chapter 17, Jesus is about to be crucified. In fact, right after this is when, when uh, Judas comes and, and betrays Him. We have the actual words of Jesus praying to His Father. And He prays for, for His own glorification. Then He prays for the disciples, His followers that are right there. And then He prays for... You and me. He says, God, not only my followers, but those who are going to believe the message, believe the good news on account of them. That's us. He prayed for us. 
The Lord's Prayer, He prayed for us. In the middle of that, in verse 18, He says these words to, to God. He says, As you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. So Jesus gathers all of His followers around and He says, Okay, okay, you've watched me for three years. Now what I did, you go do that. You go tell other people. You make disciples. You baptize them. You, tell, you teach them everything I taught you and I'm going to be with you. Always. He says, ready? Okay, so, so He gathers everybody together. I, I know you've seen sports things where they all put their hands in. So I envision Jesus getting all of His followers around saying, Okay, it's the church. Ready? Church on three. One, two, three. Church! And they all go running off. Oh, not really, but maybe. Um, Jesus died for the church. It's the bride of Christ. And He said the one lasting thing that's going to be here that the gates of hell will not prevail against is the church. So on your listening, guys, I want you to do something real quick. On the back side, there's a whole lot of blank space. All right? I want you to draw a line right down the middle of that blank space. On the left-hand column, I want you to put eternity. Or forever. On the other side, I want you to put not forever. <laughs> now, in the next 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 30 seconds. I ain't going to give you 6 seconds. We've got to get out of here. I want you to list in each column the things that come to your mind that you're investing your life in that last forever or not forever. Ready? You understand? On one, one side, all the things you're investing your life in that last forever. On the other side, things that don't last forever. Ready, set, go. Now, already, which, which column is longer? Someone? Not forever. We spend a whole lot of time doing stuff that doesn't matter forever. Commit your life to something that outlasts you. There's, there's really two things that you need to plan if you're going to commit to this cause. You need to plan your living and you need to plan your giving. When you plan your living, here's one of the things I think you need to plan into your life. You need to plan to meet with God's people at least once a week. I'm going to encourage you to meet twice a week. Once come here, you can worship in a crowd, but you can't fellowship in a crowd. The second thing is get involved in a small group. Hang out with other people because God tells us, do not forsake the assembling of the people together. You know what that means? Church. Jesus says you're supposed to gather with others. Why? Because it's in, it, it, it's in the exchange of ideas. It's in um, encouraging one another, praying for one another, mourning with one another that we grow to be more like Christ. It's in serving others. Plan your living to get involved in the church. Plan your living so that you have a, uh, a ministry in the church. A recipe for depression is to focus all your time and energy on yourself. One of the steps to get you out of depression is start meeting the needs of someone else. It's ironic. Today we have three of our children's workers department heads up here. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of the church that three of them have been up here and I let you go upstairs, sit and be fed so I can take care of the kids. Because I guarantee you, with children, the kids don't care. They love the men to come down there. Just just lay in the floor. They will jump on you. 
And they will love it. You don't have to do anything else but be a lump in the floor. They'll kick you. And, but they'll go home saying, you know what, that man? You'll have made an impact just from being there. So you've got to plan your living if you're going to get the most out of life. But you also got to plan your giving. And you know, we talk about this all the time, but, but percentage priority giving is what the Bible teaches. At the first of the month, you decide whatever percentage that, that you can give to God and give that and give gladly, and God will be involved in your finances. It doesn't mean He's going to make you rich, but it may be that He provides through another believer because you've shown faith. This name it and claim it thing doesn't work, but God has promised that He'll be involved if you'll be obedient. Now, if you show me your calendar and your checkbook, I'll tell you how much dancing you're doing in life. How much time are you spending on yourself? How much money are you spending on yourself? If you're depressed this holiday season, it may be that you're spending too much of each on yourself. Maybe you need to go get one of the angels back there. We, we talked about maybe passing out all that's left and just keep passing them around until they're all gone. But, but we, need to, we need to do that to, to bring just a little bit of joy to some kids this holiday season. Plan to get involved. Next week we have our 101 class. There's a sign-up sheet at the back. Even if you put your name on that you want to join the church, put it, if you put it on the card last week, go ahead and sign up right after church. We'll feed you. We'll take care of kids if you've got kids. You need to be involved in the church because you become what you're committed to. Commit to the church. Um, angel tree, take an angel. And then in the new year, get, uh, get involved in a small group. All right, the last thing is enjoy the moment. How are you going to dance in the middle of difficulty? You've got to enjoy the moment. At the end of this old passage, Luke 7, um, 34, Jesus says, The Son of Man, that was His favorite term for Himself, the Son of Man came and He ate and He drank, and you said, Look at this man. He's a glutton and wine drinker, a friend of tax collectors and other outcasts. See, what, what happened was, again, He's talking about John. They said, well, John, he was out in the wilderness and he fasted and he prayed and he was deadly serious about life. And you know what people said about him? He's nuts. And then Jesus comes hanging out with people, going to parties, going to weddings, having a good time. And they say, he's a drunkard and a sinner and he loves sinners. Ah, get away. Probably held up their crosses and threw their holy water at him. Get away, you evil person. Too many of us have the when-then attitude. When my life gets better, I'll commit to the church. When my finances get better, I'll give to the church. When, and the problem is when never comes. And the saddest thing for me is when I have to stand up at, at a funeral and you've invested your life in nothing that lasts. And you know what I'll do? I'll spend just a very little time on your life, if that's you. And then I'll spend a whole lot of time on how everybody who's still alive can make a difference. The, the most fun funerals, if there is such a thing, is where someone's life has already preached the funeral for me. Did an did a elderly woman several years ago. I didn't have to add anything to her life. All I had to do was talk about the commitments she made, the way she prayed, the way she hugged people and loved people and was always positive. And this woman had lost a child at age three, she had lost a grandchild at age 11, and she'd lost a great-grandchild at age six. This woman had gone through difficulty, and she was the sweetest, most precious woman I'd ever been around, and I stood up and just talked about her life and said amen. And people came up and they said, that's the greatest funeral sermon I've ever heard. And I'm like, I didn't do jack, but report on her life. Enjoy your life and get involved 
and dance. Dance with your kids. Dance with your spouse. One of the funniest things we did was those dance lessons. We can't dance. But we can laugh. Those of you who danced, was it not fun? We laughed because we were so spastic and we got closer to our spouses and we got closer to each other in small groups and it was fun. When we get in the new building, one of the things we're going to do periodically is host a dancing class. Um, and, and we're going to enjoy, uh, enjoy. We're going to invite you to come enjoy that. Let's, uh, let's pray together. And I want you to do one thing on your, your uh, registration card. Fill out the front and then on the back, 